Hello, Grace family. We have a couple reminders this week, and the first one being that Mark and Dave are going to be sending out monthly video updates that will provide some clarity and important information on our church community and kind of what's going on. So make sure that you're watching those videos, and if you did not receive it earlier this week, uh, you can get it in the email that was sent for this video. Uh, so feel free to check those out and uh, I think it's just a helpful way to stay connected on what's going on. Second thing is that whether you are a part of a home gathering or you're continuing to meet with just your family in your home, uh, I want to just encourage you and acknowledge the gift of relationships and specifically multi-generational relationships. When we're here at this church building, which is a huge blessing that I definitely took for granted, uh, we are appropriately in some ways segregated in our youth building and in the children's classrooms uh, and in the main sanctuary. And the gift of being in our homes is that we are together. And that is a value that we have in this time. And I want to encourage you specifically to the youth to look to those who are further along in their discipleship to Jesus, those who are older and wiser, and look to them for wisdom and insight and perspective and an example. And to adults, uh, I want to encourage you that the youth have an incredibly unique perspective and pulse on the culture in the current moment. And uh, look to them for their perspective and their ideas as we pursue truth and our understanding of God uh, more deeply. So that is my encouragement this morning. And I know for me and in our home gathering that we're a part of, it has been a gift to be able to have uh, older, wiser uh, people who are farther along in their journey to look to for that and to be able to participate in this together has been awesome. So with that, I'm going to pray as we dive in this week. God, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to direct our attention to you through the study of your word and through worship. And God, I ask that you would bless us today that you would direct our hearts and our minds to you and the truth that is within your word. And would that shape our hearts and our minds to love you more and to ultimately understand your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, there's never been a better time to self-reflect. It's always good to do, but in this particular period, our potential for personal blindness is on full display. I remember reading the words of Jesus years ago. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. And thinking about all the people around the world who probably struggled with that, myself excluded, all the while carrying a crippling tens of thousands of dollars in debt from a life that was committed to trying to serve both God and money. We can never rest we are never safe from misleading ourselves simply because our minds tell us so. We have to continue to seek humility, continue to seek loving our neighbors and our enemies both, which should come at a great cost to self. So while we sing and open ourselves up to God's truth over the next 35 minutes or so, Please allow him to transform you into being more like Jesus and away from the dangerously subtle temptation of telling ourselves that we're already there. So let's sing in full praise to who God is this morning, starting off the doxology. Mm -hmm. 
Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly Hey friends, you know, something I've been mindful of of late is my general state of mind and my emotional state and sense of well-being during this very challenging time. And I've also been trying to pay extra attention to what I perceive those around me are experiencing along those same lines. And I've been struck with the realization that two people can experience the very same circumstances, yet move through this season in very different ways and with very different postures. As we all know, there are plenty of things and issues out there that can make us really frustrated right now, even angry, or at the very least, just really concerned. And because a lot of these issues strike us as very important, it feels justifiable that we dwell on these things. And sometimes so much so that they end up dominating our thought life, as well as our conversations with one another. I was saying to my wife the other day, I feel like I'm having the same conversation over and over again. But I think there's a way we can move through these times and not let all that's going on around us completely consume us. The answer, I believe, is giving ourselves and our minds to what is true and good. Let me share with you a passage that many of you will be familiar with from Philippians 4.8. It says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Listen, we shouldn't bury our heads in the sand or go into denial about all that's going on in the world, but we also don't have to let the troubling things of this world hijack our whole experience in this world. The scriptures remind us of the importance of dwelling on good things. Gratitude is always good medicine. And I think especially in light of the state of our world, having our eye on the good with a grateful heart can have a profound effect on one's sense of well-being. So with that in mind, let's just take a moment together to consider this verse, and we'll put it up on the screen in a moment. And I want to encourage you to read it slowly and thoughtfully. Take it in. And then reflect on your experience of life right now. What are some things that you can specifically identify that fit some of these categories? Things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy. As an act of worship, let's be people who think about these things and wholeheartedly give God thanks for them. So let's take a moment of silence and do this together right now.
words Jesus spoke to his disciples feels very fitting right now. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So Father, as we live through these troubling days, may we indeed take heart. In the midst of the messiness of the world, you are alive and well and at work. And not only that, there is goodness and beauty and truth that you want us to behold and dwell on. Help us not to lose sight of that. Help us to guard our hearts from allowing the bad and the broken to dominate all our attention. May we joyfully relish in what's good, and most importantly, the ultimate good that is you. And may our attention to these things show itself not only in our sense of well-being, but in our attitudes and behaviors. And because of this, may we be people who exude authentic joy to others, an attitude that just might strike others as out of place these days. But may our joy give us the opportunity then to share with others the real and grounded reason for our joy, for your glory. Thank you, Father, for who you are and who you are to us. We're grateful and we pray this in Jesus' name. Let all things that Creator 
Praise, praise the Father, praise the Son, and praise the Spirit, three in one. Oh, praise Him, oh, praise Him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Our passage today is in Romans, and we'll be looking at what it means to be devoted to one another in love. So here's Romans 12, 9 through 13. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. This is the word of the Lord. So this summer, we are exploring the one another's of scripture. How do we relate to one another through the ups and downs of life? And, and hopefully that's a question we're all asking during this time, especially during these challenging times. And the truth is, each one of us is still, I think, trying to figure out this new normal for ourselves, right? We all have our own burdens and questions and challenges before us. And then the question is, how do we relate to one another in the midst of all that? What does it look like to love one another well? And so last week, we looked at the command in Ephesians 4 to bear with one another. And I mentioned it's not the most inspiring of commands, right? Sometimes you just have to bear you have to put up with, you have to endure one another. You have to deal with people who are challenging, who are different than you and deal with challenging times together. But in light of the call to unity, we have to keep the bigger picture in mind and realize it's not about us as individuals. God is doing something in his people. And so sometimes we just have to bear with one another. But today I wanna to talk about the danger if that was the only command that we were to hear, bear with one another. And the danger would be that we might take that on and try to be extra spiritual and, and just try to, try to do that and, and put up with one another and uh, in a way that really lacks genuine affection and warmth for one another. And we could just say it's our duty you know, to, to love, so we're going to do the actions of love, but really we're kind of resentful of each other and, and doing it through gritted teeth. And so this morning we, we have a, a one another that, that I think is a, a helpful corollary to last week's. And we find it in verse 10 where Paul says, be devoted to one another in love. And this one another comes in the short passage that we had read this morning, um, about five verses, but I, I counted like 12 commands. So just like a quick rapid fire commands from Paul, all dealing with how we relate to one another. And I just want to focus on two of the commands this morning. First, the first command in verse 9, love must be sincere. And then the second, the command, the one another command, be devoted to one another in love. And with both of these, I want, to, I want to talk about a couple of Greek words that will help unpack the meaning of these commands. As most of you know, that the New Testament was written in Greek. And so I think understanding some of those words is helpful in this case. So first, let's take that first command in verse 9. Love must be sincere. So the Greek word for sincere is on 
hypokritos, which means nothing to you until you think about the word unhypocritical. And that's what it means in English, unhypocritical. So literally, Paul says, love must be unhypocritical. And the hypocrite in the ancient world, that, that Greek word, hypokritos, uh, comes from the Greek stage. And originally, it was not a negative word. It just referred to a stage actor, a, a performer, a, a pretender, right? someone who is playing a role other than themselves, pretending to be somebody that they're not. And in some cases, the stage actors would literally wear a mask. So it came to be known as someone who is, who is wearing a mask. And Jesus used that word hypocrite of the Pharisees in terms of their religious devotion. And he, he called them pretenders. He said, you guys, you guys put on a mask. You, you pretend, uh, you put on a good face when you, when you pray in the streets and you know, when you fast and make yourself look, it's obvious that you're fasting. And when you give alms to people, but you, you kind of announce that, um, you put on a face, but really your hearts are, are not there. It's not really true to who you are inside. You're hypocrites. And Paul, in our passage, is saying the love that you have for one another must be unhypocritical. And simply put, he's saying don't just pretend to love each other actually love each other. You need a love for one another that isn't just a show, that isn't just an outward action, that it actually flows from the heart. It, it's actually integrated with, with who you are for one another. So that's the first command. Really, truly love one another from the heart. And then the second command is in verse 10. It's our one another. Be devoted to one another in love. And I want to talk about that Greek word for love. So many of you know that the Greeks had uh, many different words for love. Uh, most of us are familiar with the word agape, which tends to mean a sacrificial love, uh, an unconditional love, a love that's not just a feeling, but that is an action. That's the primary word for love we get in the scriptures. But there's other loves, and this is actually not that word. This, in this uh, case, Paul is using the Greek word philos. And philos can carry that same meaning of sacrifice and commitment, but it also carries this tone of affection and, and warmth and fondness for one another. It's kind of the love that we have for friends. We, we're affectionate. We enjoy them. There's a, there's a, a warmth towards, towards them. And, and Paul actually, in this verse, uses philos twice. So you can't see it in your English, but be devoted, that verb has within it the philos word. And then the, the word love is actually the word Philadelphia, which many of us know, which means love of the brother, brotherly love. So all that to say, he uses it twice. So verse 10, be devoted to one another in love, certainly carries the sense of sacrifice and commitment and, and bearing with one another, but also in two different ways, carries a sense of warmth and affection and enjoyment and fondness to one another that actually comes from the heart. So you put these two commands together. Verse 9, love must be sincere. Don't just pretend to love, but actually love from the heart. And then, and then verse 10, be devoted to one another with this affectionate kind of love. And you get a sense from Paul that we're being called uh, to have a love for one another that is not just like a a spiritual love that's, you know, kind of rises above all emotion and just always does the right thing. But he's actually calling for a love that is real and human, that is genuine, that, 
that we also feel that there's, again, affection and, and enjoyment of one another. Paul certainly doesn't put it this way, but I think it would be fair to say he's calling us not just to love each other, but he's actually calling us to like each other too, in the sense of have a genuine heartfelt affection for one another. Now, we all know there's people in the church that we don't have a genuine heartfelt affection for, right? There are people that we do endure, and yet if we're honest, we're like, they're annoying. I have a hard time with them. This is, I don't feel affection. I don't like them, but I'm called to love them. And so in light of that, the question that I want to ask us this morning, in light of Paul's commands here, are this. Um, if he's calling for a, a certain kind of genuine affection from the heart, then how do we cultivate a genuine affection for one another so that we're not just faking it, right? We're not just, we're not just resentful every time we try to love each other, but we, we actually, we genuinely do this from the heart. So I want to answer that question. How do we cultivate a genuine affection for one another? But before I do answer that, I just want to acknowledge, I think a lot of relationships go sour because that genuine affection isn't cultivated. I mean, I think that's what happens in a lot of marriages, right? Just the years go on and spouses lose their genuine affection and enjoyment of one another. And many of these are people who are, who are faithful. And so they're, they're never going to get divorced. They're going to stay true to their vows. But the reality is the simple truth of their relationship is after many years, they simply just don't like each other that much anymore. And so their relationship is a burden. And they're willing to bear that burden. They'll do that faithfully. But they've lost that enjoyment of one another. I think certain pastors leave churches because they've lost that affection for their people. I mean, they, they maybe feel like they're called to lead and to, to train and to minister, but I think there's pastors who, who simply don't enjoy just being with their people. They see their people as ministry projects, but they don't just genuinely enjoy the people they're with. They lose that affection. And I think some of us think that that's how God is with us in our relationship with Him. That I think if, if you could get inside of some of our hearts, deep down what, what we think is that God doesn't have a genuine affection and fondness for us. We think um, He loves us because He has to, because right that's like what a good God would do. So He loves us, but He doesn't really like us. He doesn't really enjoy us the way we enjoy a good friend. And so I think we even, we think that that, that's, that dynamic exists in our relationship with God. And so in light of all that, the question is, how do we cultivate a genuine affection for one another so that we truly love in an unhypocritical way from the heart? There's a true devotion. And I know there's lots of answers to that question, but what I want to do this morning is just take us back to the passage that actually Mark began this service with. The Philippians 4 passage. Now let me read it to you again, but now I want to apply it to one another. So here's Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, one of the things I love about this verse is the whatever phrase, whatever is true, whatever is noble. And what I love is it doesn't seem like Paul is limiting these things to only, you know, like spiritual things or, or theological things, but he's just saying, no, whatever. Like, as you just consider life 
in reality in the world, whatever matches these qualities. And the truth is there's such a deep down goodness present in this world, even in the midst of all the brokenness. And so we need to make a choice, right? To dwell on those things, to, to fix our thoughts, not on all that's wrong, but all that, that's on what's right. And my question this morning is this, what would it look like to apply this verse to one another? What if these qualities were the primary lens through which I viewed you and through which you viewed me? As I look at you, I'm looking at you with an eye towards what is lovely about this person? What's admirable? What's right and good? And I know there's a bunch of things about you that aren't. I know there's things that are annoying and quirky and broken, but what if my primary lens is not that? But I make an active choice. I'm going to consider the things in you and you're gonna consider the things in me that match these qualities. I'm gonna fix my thoughts on that. And they can be spiritual qualities or they can just be human qualities. You have a good sense of humor. You're thoughtful, you're funny, you have a sense of adventure, you're different in, in ways for me that are so good for me. You're a great listener, you're generous. What would it look like for that to be the primary lens that I view you through? And what would happen if I regularly made it my practice to do that? How would that cultivate a genuine affection, a genuine fondness and delight and enjoyment of you so that I can love you in a way that's truly from the heart. And I just want to say as an aside, I feel like this verse, this is like the best practical marriage advice I've ever heard. It's not fancy, but I think that's great marriage advice for so many couples. Stop focusing on the things in your spouse that bother you and annoy you and confuse you and start actively considering what are the good things in them what is the goodness that comes into your life through them, through their personality, through their spirituality, through their physical appearance? Focus on those things and just dwell on those things and see what happens in terms of your affection for, for your spouse. And this is so important in the church to, to practice this, especially right now in this time where there's so much division potential in the church, right? Where we have such different divided sensibilities and convictions on so many different things. And the temptation right now is to view one another through the lens of what bothers me about this person. I just saw them post this. I just got this email. I heard this offhanded comment they made. And it's so easy to begin to, in light of the convictions, just to categorize them. Oh, they're this kind of person. And when I think of them now, I first and foremost think of them as having this sensibility on this issue. That is so potentially divisive. So what would it look like to say, I'm going to actively look at them through the lens of these things. What is it about them that I love and appreciate? Let that be my primary experience of them. And as that happens, maybe the affection and the fondness will begin to grow. So that is my dominant experience of them, the goodness and, the, and all the good that comes to me through them. So I want to leave you with that simple encouragement this morning. How can I cultivate a genuine affection for my brothers and sisters in Christ so that I can love them not as a pretender, but genuinely from the heart? And I just want to leave you again with the gospel, which is this. Surely this is what God does with us. That when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. 
And so what that means is God no longer looks at us through the primary lens of all of our faults, all of our weaknesses, all of our brokenness, but he treats us. He loves us through the lens of this. You are now clothed in Christ. You are clothed in his righteousness, and he treats us through that lens. So what would it mean for us to live in light of the grace we receive from him and then offer that grace to one another in terms of the lens through which we view each other? you have uh, found this to be an encouragement to you today and we invite you to consider the reflection questions that we'll have on the screen in a moment. Let me just end our time with this benediction. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us 
and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good word and deed. Amen.